0: Welcome to the Talking Guitar Podcast, brought to you by the North American guitar, home of the world's finest guitars. I am your host, Lindsay Straw, and this week I caught up with Northern Irish luthier Donald McGreevy, just as we're receiving our second batch of guitars from him. He told me all about how he got immersed in the world of guitar making, the luthiers that he learned from, and we bonded over our shared appreciation for classic tonewoods like Indian rosewood. We did this interview via Zoom, but we will also be releasing a video version where you can see some of the beautiful B roll of the newly arrived Model 2 and Figured Myrtle, as well as see and hear both Carl Miner and myself playing this guitar. If you want the full audiovisual experience, hop on over to YouTube to check it out. Otherwise, please enjoy my chat with Donald McGreevy.
1: I suppose, like a lot of guitar makers, I was a player, first and foremost. I've been playing since I was a kid, I played a lot during my teens. And I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of the, the sort of the luthery world. You know, I was just playing factory guitars. I think I was in my early 20s. I was in Dublin. I was at a session in Dublin and a guy was playing a guitar by Stefan Sobel. And that was my first introduction to proper guitars, to to luthery built guitars. And it was an eye opener, really. Mm-hmm. I only got sort of five minutes with it, but it was just couldn't believe it. It was just something something special. Uh, and that then really started uh, an obsession then with Luthery. I was probably, say if we go back sort of 11 years, um, which is when I started, at that stage I was, I was working in IT. I was working for a software company. I was probably going, falling into more of a, a collector path. You know, I love the world of luthery, but at that stage, the idea of making a guitar just didn't really seem realistic. Yeah. Uh, I was busy with work. I had no woodworking experience or anything. like Well, I had a bit of woodworking experience, but not not to that detail, not sort of fine woodworking. Mm-hmm. And um, I got, I was fortunate enough to own a few nice guitars. First time my guitar was a And... Then I owned two guitars from Dermot McElroy. Mm-hmm. Okay. We well, I'll we'll say two. The second was actually a guitar bazooki okay. that he made, which was a really nice instrument. And that was just around the time that I discovered the Lagan three School, mm-hmm. which was just set up in Belfast. It had not long been set up at that stage. And that was run by a man called Sam Irwin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Sam would have been one of George Loudon's first employees back in the late seven and he'd been making instruments for probably 40 years or so at that stage and he had set up the the Lutheran school there so I had this idea that I would would go and I would try and make one guitar (laughs) Um, so I started attending on a Wednesday afternoon and a Saturday morning and I sort of designed my own guitar and things. I had my own shapes and had everything drawn out and went up. And then he obviously guided me through the process. But it was, it was incredible. It was a lot changed then. Like I had only started and I knew that it wasn't going to be just one guitar. Within 40 years, I had given up my career in IT <laughs> <laughs> because this, this passion had just totally taken over. Oh. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So those those early years, um, it was still sort of, you know, sort of two days a week type Mm -hmm. of thing. I think Sam sort of guided me through my first two or three guitars. Um, And at that stage, I was sort of trying to get a workshop at home as well, get a a workshop up and running at home. And it just really went on from there, you know, build one, analyze it. What can I do better? On to the next one. I'm still, still trying to, still, still trying to struggle on. Get it, get it one step further. Really, but yeah, it's been it's been great. But one of the biggest breaks for me was the Holy Grail show in two thousand and
0: eighteen okay. um, in
1: mm-hmm. Berlin. Getting the, the invite there. Uh, I Had only been building, so six or seven years at that stage, and. I hadn't built that many guitars either, like it was number nine and number 10 that I was going to a guitar show with. Oh, wow. So it was quite daunting, <laughs> but it was an opportunity that I, that I, couldn't, I couldn't turn down. It was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I, I really got the, the feeling that my guitars weren't out of place. Mm-hmm. They certainly weren't there. There was a lot, to, a lot to improve on, but I was on the right track, really.
2: Yeah. yeah, getting that of, validation, I, I'm sure must have really helped, but just, yeah, getting to compare and... and well, that's it.
1: You know, you built a lot of guitars and you, you ship them out and you don't really get to hear them being played, whereas right, show, it was the first time, like, it was constant all day, every day, for two days. You had people playing your guitars and giving you feedback, so it was invaluable in that, in that sense.
2: Mm-hmm. It really
1: was. It was great. One of the things that happened to that show was I met Jimmy Gill. Jamie who Jimmy and Roberta who run the boutique guitar showcase.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I didn't know who Jamie was. Um at the time I was a worth the Boutique Guitar Showcase, but I didn't actually appreciate that it was Jamie that was was running the show. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he spent a bit of time over the two days chatting with me and trying out the guitars and on the second day then he invited me to the boutique guitar showcase at, at NAM the mm-hmm. following following January and he said some nice things too and gave me some good feedback and uh that was like right you know there's there's a possibility they could do something with us here and it just came away feeling that yeah there, there's I may, I maybe I'm on the right track you know yeah, yeah.
2: at that point were you still working in IT or were you just doing guitars? No so I
1: gave up the IT in 2014 I okay. actually started doing other bits of woodwork I went to mm. join uh, friends, he had a, a furniture business at the time. So we were doing a lot of for cabinet making, kitchen fitting, okay. bars, restaurants, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved that because that allowed me, there it was, it was a freedom with that then that it just sort of allowed me, it, you weren't tied into anything, any long term commitment. Mm-hmm. I could go and do a load of work weeks with him and then I could maybe take a few weeks off and try and get as much work done on the guitars as possible, but that, that it continued like that right up until probably probably the start of the pandemic mm-hmm. that I thought right now is the time to maybe there's a few more orders and things coming in and mm-hmm. I, I left the workshop at home then and I, I moved into this this workshop now in Down Patrick, okay. which is still a work in progress, but it's uh, it's given me a lot more space and try and get it going full time. Mm-hmm. So pretty much at in here now for the last well, coming up in two years now. It's two years. Yeah.
2: So you and mentioned you mentioned going to a session, right? So you've got a bit of a traditional music background.
1: Yeah, sort of, sort of okay. my there's a lot of music about when I was a kid. My dad's a musician. He's a an Ellen Piper. Oh uh, nice. Yeah. Well he plays a lot of instruments and but the Ellen Pipes would be his main. Okay. I suppose as a kid I didn't really take any much interest in it. <laughs> with what your parents are doing it isn't, yeah. <laughs> isn't, but uh, as it grew as I got older yeah I'm definitely into the traditional stuff now so it's, well, I don't even own a guitar I don't play that much guitar anymore Oh really? <laughs> just, I'd love to build, build myself one but it's not going to happen anytime soon I don't think
2: No Well you already answered my my question for later on which was what would you build well I guess you could still answer this one is what guitar would you build for yourself if you had the time
1: but The answer to that question Change at the minute, it would be model two. Does mm-hmm. it have to be one of my guitars or? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a guitar I'm building for myself, so I suppose, yeah.
2: Um, or, I mean, would you design something for yourself that wasn't one of your current current models, do you think?
1: No, no. It would yeah. be a model two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have Swiss spruce for the top
2: because
1: mm-hmm. I just love it, um, and Cuban mahogany for the back and sides. Mm-hmm. I built a Cuban Cuban mahogany guitar last year. It was a model one, and uh, I loved it.
2: Yeah,
1: It'd be really nice, nice wood. Yeah,
2: yeah. We've had some really nice Cuban mahogany guitars in recently that it they they've seemed to kind of strike a nice balance of having that mahogany sound, but a little bit more nuance. I mean, maybe I'm just making this up. Maybe it's the builders themselves, but like having a bit more nuance and depth, which has been really interesting.
1: You know, definitely, they have that that maho- the clarity that I like in mahogany guitars, but there's a bit more of a the, one, the, the model one that I one. Mean, there was definitely a bit more of a grunt behind it. It was, mm. it was a very powerful guitar, a bit more sustain than you'd maybe expect from a, yeah. from a urine mahogany. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely a, definitely a wood that is one of my favorites.
2: So um, so you've mentioned Sam Irwin, who worked with George Loudon. Um, you seem to be really well connected with all those luthiers who are in, in Northern Ireland. Do you find that uh, they've influenced your work a lot, or do you have influence on um, side of them?
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. There's so many great builders here in the north of Ireland, so many. Um, One thing I was conscious of whenever I started was to try and... I didn't want to make a copy of a guitar that already existed, or especially an Irish guitar that already existed. Um, So I did try to create my own shapes and my own sort of style aesthetically. But there's definitely influences there in terms of tone, mm-hmm. um, and the other thing I like about some of the Irish makers is the is the restraint the restraint they have. You know, it's yeah. like a, the, you know the beauties in the wood and try and try and not try and you know leave that, emphasize that, emphasize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do that in my in my guitars as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely the case with McElroy and, and Loudon. So and, and yours too. Like it's there's a little bit of yeah. Just your aesthetics are so tasteful. Just yeah, just highlighting the beauty of the wood. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think that, that model too, that's probably the most blingy guitar that I've probably ever made. It has a few <laughs> and it has a bit of uh, bit of shell and stuff around the. Yeah. the rose. Um, but I, I like I, I like just a simple. I like a non non cutaway. No bevels, mm-hmm. very simple, just mm-hmm. really nice food. Yeah. Very, you know, tastefully, you know, elegance and simplicity is something that that I really like in guitar design.
2: hmm Yeah. So I guess now that we're talking about that model too, um, so the one that we just got, it has those bevels. And I've never seen bevels like that on a guitar before. What was your inspiration for those?
1: It's Laskin inspired. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the arm bevel. Uh, there's another bevel there. It's just what I would refer to, as, I suppose, a fret access bevel. So the model two is a thirteen fret neck joint. Mm-hmm. So I suppose the idea with putting bevels there up at the at the at the neck joint was more to almost give you your fourteenth fret back. Mm-hmm. If that if that makes sense without going into a full a full cutaway. Mm-hmm. Um. But then because it was a non commission, I was sort of trying things out. You know, I was trying to. You don't get the opportunity to sort of try things as much anymore, yeah. yeah, you know, because it's all commissions, mm-hmm. uh, mostly commissions. Uh, so I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go on this one, see how it turns out.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it looks beautiful and it plays beautifully, too. It's um, it's a figured myrtle and uh, Swiss moons, or torrified Swiss moon spruce, right?
1: Worked, yeah, yeah, Swiss yeah. moon spruce, which was, which was new to me.
2: Yeah, I um, don't think I've seen a lot of torified Swiss moon spruce, which I guess no. people are just like moon is enough.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. A lot of Torrified I Torrified torified Adirondack. I've built the torified Adirondack before, but never Torrified Swiss. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting, very interesting. As I say, I, I really love Swiss moon spruce. Yeah, just the depth, tone, the, the clarity. It's just, it's just something that I, it's a tone that I just love. Mm-hmm. Whereas the horrified version of it Um, well it's baked it's essentially baked in an oven which I'm sure everybody's aware of it's baked at about 160 degrees and it sort of uh, crystallises the resins or whatever within the wood but the first thing I noticed with it was how light it was Mm -hmm. quite a bit lighter than you know a standard set of spruce. I'm just running my fingers up, up and down it. there was a real quickness of of sound on it, you know, quickness of on, on the, under the fingers. And I think that came through in the, the tone of the guitar. It was a very fast response.
2: Yeah.
1: Faster than than the, than the standard Moonsprit. Um But that said, I, I only had it like an hour with that guitar before it was, well, once <laughs> the final setup was done, I had about an hour with it. And then it was in the end of the case and away across to your shells.
2: Mm-hmm yeah it sounds beautiful it's got like sort of a nice just crisp it's very fast in in terms of its response and it's it's sweet and yeah it's just lovely to play and myrtle is another wood that i haven't had a ton of experience with yet and so i'm curious to hear more about your experience with it have you built a lot with
1: mine? I'm using it first time using really? it as well yeah and yeah. um, it surprised me a bit mm-hmm. um but i'm having that with every wood that i use for the first time i think there's especially being a player for so long, you, you, you can sometimes, there's a lot of preconceived ideas about certain woods. Um, my instinct was it was going to be very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was very balanced. Um, sort of a, a bit like, in terms of woods that I use, it's probably closer to, to koa. hmm Um, and that's, it has that clarity, but maybe like quicker decay than you you would get, obviously from your, from your rosewoods.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, no, I was was really pleased with it. It looks quite cool too.
2: Yeah. It's beautiful
1: to look at for sure. Yeah. It looked good. Definitely.
2: And is that, is it from Oregon? Is all Myrtle from the rest of the U.S.? Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, great. Um so you offer only the two models right now You're the the m one is which is which is kind of more similar to an o m and the m two which is more yeah I, that,
1: yeah that model is the model one um I sort of focused on that model for years mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. i thought that was the best way to to learn was like sticking with the one body shape. Mm-hmm. and then that's probably the best way to figure out any, any sort of changes you're you're doing or what result, you know, figuring out the results of those changes if the body shape is the same time and time again. Uh, so yeah, I referred to it as my OM for a long time and then changed it to model one because it's not an OM. Really. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good bit bigger than an OM. I uh, suppose people will use it, you know, OM is going to be the have people agree this idea because it's a mid you know, sized guitar, and but it's as I say, it's quite a bit bigger, um, probably a bit more modern mm-hmm. in shape. So, I only really thought about changing the name of it once I designed the second guitar, the, the Model 2.
2: Oh, I see,
1: really say because it again is probably closest to a double O, but it's not a double O, so I didn't want to give that sort of false impression, so I just went to, to Model 1, Model 2. Yeah. Uh, but the model two, yeah, designed it a couple of years ago, two thousand and I think possibly that's that mahogany cedar one that you've had, mm-hmm. the first. Oh really? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that was the first model two. Yeah, so a bit a bit smaller, um, and a thirteen fret fret neck. I've always been worried of uh, you know it's not tiny; it's 14 and a half inch wide at mm-hmm. the little bit. So it's it's certainly smaller than my my model one, but it's by no means a, a really small guitar. Um, and I've always pref- I've always liked bigger guitars. That, you know, good have a good uh, depth to them. So I was worried about the set. You know, designing a, a second guitar, a smaller guitar, but I've been really pleased with how it's how it's turned out.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just this one has been beautiful to play, and personally, I. I feel like I've always been more of a midset, like OM all the way. But like lately, I've been like actually double O's are really great, and so getting to play more modern versions of double O's has been. There's just so much possibility there, and they have such a voice of their own, and so I, I love that those are the two you focus on because I think those are the best ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I've stopped there to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't really have any plans anytime soon to introduce a introduce a third model.
2: Yeah, no dreadnoughts or anything.
1: I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm building a Nice. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think I'll I'll go down the road of a dread. Who knows? But at the minute, no, it's not a tone that I'm really I'm really after. Within mm-hmm. the, the the model one and the model two, it's where where I'll stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Awesome. So the, the model one that we've got coming in is going to be in Malaysian Blackwood. And um, that's another wood that I, I feel like I'm only getting some recent experience with. And so I'm curious to hear about your experience with it and, and how it compares to other Blackwoods that you've gotten to work yeah, with.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like it. I have only built Malaysian Blackwood once. I have two two on the go at the minute. Um, well, it's actually an ebony, Malaysian Blackwood. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. I didn't realize that.
1: Um. But it's livelier than other ebonies that have that have played. Uh, it's it's not as glass like as, as the rosewoods, but um, has a real great. It's a great depth to the tone. It has a really really nice sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, pairing it with Swiss Moonspruce as well, mm-hmm. um, and that I have built that combo before a couple of years ago, blackwood and the model one, and yeah. Gorgeous guitar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's probably one of my favourite tonewoods, Malaysian blackwood. Oh,
0: great!
1: Yeah, and th- it can it can vary in like the two I have here are so different. Um, the one that I'm, I'm building for yourselves, there's almost it's like a re- there's a redy colour to it, so it's you'd almost mm-hmm. mistake for Madagascar rosewood. Oh, okay. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Now, at the minute, it, it isn't sanded up or anything, but. I'm sure once the lacquer goes on there's certain like greens and browns that'll come through in the, in the color of it, which I think will be, will be really nice.
2: Oh, wow, yeah, that sounds beautiful. Uh,
1: cool. But no, I wouldn't really compare it with other, other blackwoods. You know, it's certainly not anything like uh, African blackwood mm-hmm. uh, or, you see, uh, a Tasmanian blackwood or anything like that. Okay. I haven't even built with that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, sets here but uh yeah it's a it's part of the ebony is okay yeah
2: all right well so you mentioned that you do mostly commissions so i'm I'm curious to hear about sort of like how you define bespoke or custom guitars and what what it means to you to work with customers directly
1: um it's daunting (laughs) it's really daunting um i I, totally i haven't built loads of guitars you know, I think that one that you got there was only number thirty-one. Okay. So the first thing when a customer comes to me is they, they have to like what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to have whether they've played one of my guitars at a show or even if it's just sound clips, they have to like what I do first and foremost. Because if they want, if they like the look of my guitars, but tonally they want to go in a totally different direction, I'm just not going to be able to do it Mm-mm. to be. Honest totally honest you know I'm trying to we all talk about about the the sound we have in our our heads and that's what I'm I'm trying to do so they have to they have to like that first and foremost and then we maybe tweak it here and there depending on the model we'll go for and and through the tone wood combinations um but it's it's great it's you know, there's so many great makers out there now, and for somebody to come to you and ask you to build a guitar for them is, it's a huge privilege. And uh, as I say, it can be daunting too, because you, you want to, you don't want to let anybody down, you want to deliver. and Thankfully, so far, I have. Um, people are pleased with what they're, they're getting. I, oh, I, but I do like work, I do like the freedom involved with the sort of spec guitars. Mm-hmm. I, I like just, you know, there's no expertise. Of, of course, there's always going to be a customer at the end of it, but that customer doesn't exist yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just have this sort of freedom where you can get stuck in and and, and build it without, maybe without the same pressures that uh, are the same sort of concerns that I, I would have, you know, with, uh, with the customer in mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like playing music, like, playing music for a gig where they've requested all the music versus recording an album that you're just, you're totally yeah. imagining for yourself. And you're just like, maybe somebody will like this. And yeah. there's yeah. freedom in that when, you, when they just get to come to you uh, after the fact. Absolutely. yeah. Um, so what has been the most interesting guitar you've gotten to, gotten to build in terms of like, uh, maybe interesting is a bad word. Um, maybe a different question would be, what has been the most difficult wood to work with? Um, so far,
1: I built an African blackwood guitar a few years ago, and it was so it's the, the the back and sides and they were so thick, mm-hmm. trying to actually thickness. the The wood was probably one of the difficult, most difficult challenges I've had. Like the sides were about, I think they were about seven mil thick. Oh and wow! Because, uh, they, they might even been more than that. And because I built was um, double sides, I'm taking them down to about maybe 1.6 millimetres. Yeah. And so I tried I, I tried putting them through the drum sander and nothing was happening. It was just coming up the satin paper. I was taking the plane to them. I was taking, it was just a nightmare trying to get this stuff thicknessed. Uh, in the end, I had to put on the coarsest grit I could get and spend all day and just try and get this stuff down because the other thing about it is it's so expensive mm-hmm. you, can't, you know try and do anything too mad with it or get <laughs> okay. a load of expensive firewood <laughs> uh, but it was okay once once all that was done um it was fine to work with uh, there's 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 woods that there was a fiddle a really gorgeous set of fiddleback mahogany you know, and unless it wasn't difficult, there's that apprehension. Mm-hmm. You know, to the bandit or something like that, because because it's probably it's so expensive and you can't really afford to to create something.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no, once that's done, that's that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But I suppose the, 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 it's not really the, the woods themselves. It's the it's the, I suppose it's the the techniques and the procedures and the you know trying to. Figure out the best way to do a certain task, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm all constantly analysing that. You know, from build to build, how can I do? You know, how can I do something better, um, or quicker, or maybe more efficient? Is is what I mean? You know, trying to trying to do that because it does take me a long time to build a guitar.
2: Yeah, for <laughs> too long. <laughs> but, I feel um, like this, yeah, you do about twelve a year, right?
1: Well, I haven't done. Um, I have 12 on for this year
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and, uh, it'll be tight. It'll be tight.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'll get there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like that's pretty common. A lot of, a lot of builders seem to do like about one a month. And the great thing about that is obviously each guitar gets so much personal attention. So there's no rushing through the process.
1: Well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm still trying to figure out the the magic number in terms of batches. Mm -hmm. Um, the minute i have seven guitars on the go once
2: mm-hmm. which is
1: far too many for me <laughs> i just i don't feel like i'm getting anything done a lot of the time yeah um, I, I don't know I, I i think i like two i think i like building two at a time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so i'm still trying to figure it all out still trying to figure out what you know what's the best way to to, to run the thing um and challenges, the biggest challenge for me recently is probably spraying. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always outsourced my, my, my spray finish work, which has been great because, you know, it gives me time to sort of focus on the build and trying to get the guitars to a certain standard. And, uh, you get it ready, 20 minutes from me, there's a guy who's spraying and it was great, they give you a call whenever, a few weeks later, and you go and pick it up and it's all nice and shiny oh yeah but not sustainable for me long term the guy that was spraying them um again at the start of the pandemic he he got sick and when he came back he decided he was going uh in a semi-retirement oh. and he wasn't he wasn't taking on any third party work after that he works for a, for a company here and he just looks after their guitars so there's another guy who's been very helpful who has been spraying my guitars lately but i need to be doing it myself so uh over the last over the last six or seven months i've been as and when i can i've been building a spray booth here Mm -hmm. um which is another reason why i moved into the the new workshop so i could have my own dedicated spray booth
0: Mm -hmm. so
1: i would say it's 95 percent complete
0: oh great
1: i've started started spraying some test pieces because I appreciate there's going to be a, a huge learning curve there too, okay. but it's going to put me in complete control of the whole of the whole procedure.
2: Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you ever is, is it nitrocellulose that you do for or that you're you're guided for the finishes? Well,
1: up until up until last year, it was all a, a an acid uh, two two component acid catalyst lacquer. Oh, okay. Uh recently, or maybe the last five or six guitars have been uh, polyurethane. And that's what I'm spraying. Uh, two oh, okay. Two-component two, two component polyurethane, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. yeah. Um, spraying the guitar and neck separately. Now, before I didn't, it was before the guys that were spraying it, they, the neck would have been attached the frets and all were in. It was just all sprayed in one go. Oh, okay. But I really like the crisp line you get when you when you spray the neck and the body separately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like a satin neck. Yeah. I'm drawn to that a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna experiment a bit there with different materials for or different finishes, sorry, for the neck. Mm-hmm. I think for the body I'm gonna stick with a uh, high gloss polyurethane.
2: Oh great. Yeah I think the satin the satin neck is the way to go. <laughs> I'll be excited to see some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of last questions. Um, is there one tone wood that you would sort of direct people to try to to try out more than they maybe already do? Like something that's a little bit less common that you think deserves some more attention?
1: Yeah, um, I think what I would say to people is to listen to your builder. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier there's a lot of preconceived ideas out there about certain tone woods that, and it's not it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have a chat with your builder and talk to the builder about what you like about his guitars and what what your goal is tonally, and let let the builder tell you what he thinks that would be. There's lots. There's lot like probably there's a guitar I built at the minute is Indian rosewood, mm-hmm. and nobody orders Indian rosewood guitars. It's such a school. shame. <laughs> And it's amazing. I haven't bought an Indian rosewood guitar in about five or six years. Wow! And it's because nobody asks for. You know, it's there. It's included in your your starting price. Yeah. But conversations always inevitably go on to, you know, the the, the upgrades mm-hmm. and the upgrades. They're not. Uh, the, that's not well. Upgrades is maybe the wrong word. Maybe we should start. You know, option. I don't know what it is, but
2: yeah.
1: it's. Those woods are an additional price for other reasons, not necessarily the, the sound. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was just working with this Indian, but, but Indian Rose. That was It's, it's gorgeous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Beautiful wood. It sounds good. It's stable. It's its easy to work with. Um, in fact, if I was building a guitar myself, I'd really consider Indian Rosewood. I'm yeah. not much of a salesman. <laughs> I should probably be directing people more down the... The most expensive route. but um, yeah, people should. Suppose, listen to their builder and
2: mm-hmm.
1: builder recommends a certain wood for their for their to match their uh, their preferences. Then then go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm to think of any other other woods that um, as I say for top woods I keep going on about Swiss spruce so much so that am I'm, I'm almost thinking about sticking with it exclusively yeah
2: <laughs> it doesn't um, is there a reason why so many builders i mean it is it because it's just kind of the best spruce that's available right now or because it does seem to mm-hmm. be really popular
1: in my opinion yes it's it, 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 i suppose it depends what each builder's looking for but yeah it's just it just has that that the, f- the focus and clarity and and depth of tone that that I like, and I think maybe in the modern, maybe more modern sort of finger style, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it is really popular. Um, but you can strum it too, you know. You can mm-hmm. definitely strum it, strum it too. But yeah, it's it's just an amazing, amazing wood. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of mahogany. I love, I love mahogany as well. That sort of dry, punchy, great, great balance on uh, a, ma- a mahogany guitar.
2: Yeah, I feel like stores like ours are maybe kind of responsible for everybody's obsession with the alternatives, but it's definitely like a little crusade of mine that I want to get people more back into Indian rosewood because a lot of my favorite guitars I've played have been just like a Santa Cruz Indian rosewood OM because they just they do a great one, and any builder could do a great one for because it's a great tongue wood. And I think I think maybe yeah, I think your advice to just talk to a luthier and and see what they have, see what their impressions are, and. Not not coming into it with these sort of preconceived notions about specs and what you what you heard Mad Rose sounds like or what you heard Coca is supposed to sound like because it's all so it it's just, there's so much more variation than I think even like we kind of make the impression of in our videos and I feel like I'm a little responsible for that.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I understand we all do it, um, and there are certain uh, certain woods can be in fashion from time to time and um but a lot of the time people are coming maybe from a factory made guitar
2: mm-hmm.
1: to a, to a commission so
2: they want something like a little bit different
1: yeah but that that jump on its own is going to be huge and then they're maybe thinking okay the difference between like an indian rosewood and a madagascar rosewood that that difference is going to be maybe so so subtle in yeah. terms of overall jump if, if that makes sense you know um
2: yeah, the, the bigger jump is just coming to you or another yeah. small shop yeah.
1: yeah, that's that's where were the 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 biggest change is going to be. They're going are going to love it. Uh, but then again, it's uh, some of these things are they're a once in a lifetime thing. You know, go for what you go for what you want.
2: That's true. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Donald, for for sitting down with me today. I'm really excited to release this, and uh, there are some demos in of the guitar or hopefully guitars. When is the second one going to be finished? <laughs> <laughs> no rush.
1: <laughs> like i said everybody else soon yeah soon. <laughs> i'll figure it out and let you know but it's not yeah. too far away. It's okay great far.
2: yeah again no rush we'll we'll try to we'll just try to hype it up before it even gets here and then we'll we'll no get lots of demos done of it and, and share it out with the world so
1: yeah thanks thanks lindsay yeah appreciate that and i'll, I'll look forward to hearing the, the demos and things
2: all right yeah well thank you again and we'll talk to you again soon
1: no worries all the best all
0: right. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Bye. thank you so much for listening to this episode of talking guitar as of recording the model two is available and the model one malaysian blackwood will be hitting the showroom soon next up i'll be chatting with french luthier virgil pilon of blind guitars so stay tuned To learn more about our incredible roster of guitar makers, come visit us at thenorthamericanguitar.com. Until next time.